You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Chiefs take on the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday night football this week, so we've got plenty to get to on today's show. We'll start things off with the editor's show. They discuss their marinated takeaways after the Chiefs' Week 10 win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. After that, it's out of structure. They discuss what worked in Week 10 for the Kansas City Chiefs and what they hope to see work against the Los Angeles Chargers this week. After that, it's the Great British Chiefs show with our first full deep dive preview on Sunday night football. After that, we're going to take a quick timeout when we get back Chiefs coast to coast. Talked a little bit of Kadarius Tony as well as Clyde Edwards Alaire only getting four snaps last week against the Jags. Then we'll finish things up with Show and BK previewing what the Chiefs need to do when they have the ball on Sunday night. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Welcome back in. It's time. It is time for the marinated takeaways. Love, love the intro music. It really gets me in a, a marinated mood, as they say, John. And we had a, a good team win for the Chiefs, I, I felt like, on Sunday. And I'm sure our takeaways are going to reflect that. As we do each and every week, we will start with you. What did you take away from this game? Yeah, I'm not sure my, my takeaways are going to focus on that, but we'll, we'll go ahead and get started anyway. Yeah. Um, I'd just like to uh, clarify some things about uh, the onside kick yesterday. I, I, I've seen a lot of complaining um, and so on that, the, that it was inexcusable. The Chiefs were not ready for that kick, and I'm going to have to push back on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think that the whole point of uh, kicking an onside kick to start a game is that no team is going to expect that. Um, And to top it off, the play was executed beautifully by the Jaguars, and it's not an easy play to run. And I think we this is a situation where we have to give the Jaguars some credit for thinking up a time to do it that no one will expect it. I'm not sure that this is the kind of play that we need to be uh, saying that Dave Tobe should have done something differently. I, I just I just don't believe that it makes sense to emphasize to the players that they might see an onside kick and we need to put the hands team out there on the opening kickoff of a game. That just doesn't make any sense to me. So I, I would just like to get that out there uh, because of all the comments I've seen on the, of that nature. This was a really strange start to the game, and yeah. it wasn't even the beginning of the strange happenings because – I decided to look it up here. Derek Nottie, Chris Lamonts, and Andrew Wiley went out as the, the Chiefs captains, and the Chiefs won the toss. And mm-hmm. everyone that knows Andy Reid by now understands that Andy Reid likes to defer and get the ball in the second half. Right. And I think it was my understanding, and I don't think Andy Reid wanted to throw the captains under the bus, but I, I think they said the wrong thing. I think they won the toss <laughs> and decided by accident to receive. And 
Reed tried to reverse it, and you could see him talking to the rush, but the decision had been made already. So not yeah. only did they get surprised by the onside kick, but moments before there were there was a little bit of confusion, and I'm sure it, I could see Andy talking to the rest on the sideline. I think he was trying to get it reversed, but I, I don't know if the NFL rule is once you, you make the call, he made the call. So the Chiefs were receiving, not really even wanting to receive after winning the toss, and then they get stunned by that onside kick and it was a that's a gutsy call by doug peterson sure it is you, yeah if the chiefs recover there i mean patrick mahomes we've seen him and the chiefs offense mm-hmm. scoring two or three plays and man that would be a a gut punch if if so kudos to them for for pulling it off and i'm with you to an extent i mean you'd like to see the chiefs be ready for anything i don't well, think sure. that they were yeah. i don't think that they were expecting that but that's the point of doing an opening game onside kick you're right. supposed to catch the, the other team off off guard and, and things happen and look the chiefs overcame it they were able to force a punt that's also too like it's great that the from a jaguar standpoint it's great that they recovered the onside kick but then if you don't follow it up by scoring it's right actually right it actually probably hurts your psyche in a way right, right. so right anyway I look, I love and playing. i had and i had thought of the point i've thought of the point that you brought up as well that it was interesting that the chiefs you know, called to receive. I didn't know what you were just uh, talking about there, that it was a mistake, but I wonder if the thinking for the Jaguars was if we win the toss, um, we will elect to receive. And then if the chiefs win the toss and they, uh, yeah, I, I think what the Jaguars wanted was to have the ball first, no matter what. I think this call right. to, for the onside kick was something that they said, well, if the Chiefs end up receiving the ball, then we're going to throw an onside kick at them. One way or another, we're going to have the ball to start the game. I, I think that was the. I, I think there's a good chance that that was their thinking. Well, I just think when you're a lesser team, not that you need to be gimmicky, but you need right. to have some of those. You know, the fact that the the ball is oblong and can bounce your way certain times. Right. You need to have some of those things go your way. Right. We talked about that on last show where that was the old chiefs where like, <laughs> pretty good team. Right. But like yeah. to be the better team, you're going to have to have a few things that just kind of go perfectly for you. And I thought the Jaguars had a perfect beginning to pull off an mm-hmm. upset, right? You're going to get the ball right. in half and you start with the ball, but they just couldn't follow through with, with the offense being good. All right. We have, we have talked about an onside kick for six minutes. <laughs> Let's get into my first takeaway. <laughs> and, and uh, this is, this is um, just, just, how I feel about the running back situation. I'm starting to feel validated about my takes on it. Look, I, I'm the first to admit, sometimes I make these takes and they're wrong. They're wrong as all hell. Uh, but I, I said a couple episodes ago that I, I thought Isaiah Pacheco would be the, the best three down back. I added, you know, as they were not, in my opinion, giving the running backs enough touches, I, I added that I, I think they really needed to lean on one and Jarek McKinnon, whether that be CEH or Pacheco, and then we would see success in the run game. And part of the reason that they had more touches in the run game is because this game was at hand, and you, you saw a bunch of those also in the second half. But I just think, you know, my whole point was, what if we gave, what if the Chiefs gave Isaiah Pacheco between 11 and 15 carries? What would his stat line look like? Well, we found out. It was 16 carries for 82 yards to 5.1 yards per attempt came in there and then I, I thought this was a kudos to Andy Reid and the coaching staff even despite his fumble left him in the game mm-hmm. that's one of the yeah. things that I really like about Andy Reid and the staff is I'm sure if they made multiple mistakes eventually you can get replaced but they like to throw them right back out there and then a lot of times the player will rise to the occasion 
in the case where the player doesn't rise to the occasion and maybe makes more mistakes, that's when you might see them being replaced, which is why I think we have a new punt returner on our hands. Mm-hmm. I, I asked right. Kadarius Tony after the game, did the staff tell you you were taking every punt? And they, and he said, yes. So I think effectively, and we'll get a confirmation from this from Dave Tobe on Thursday, but I think effectively Kadarius Tony is the punt returner, but I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm getting back in, I'm getting into a rabbit hole back to Pacheco. <laughs> Really impressed with the kid. Yeah. I think the Chiefs made the right call by 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 putting him ahead of Clyde edwards helaire I'm a Clyde edwards helaire fan, but sometimes you got to go with who the better option for you is. I think this game, in a way, solidified the fact that the Chiefs are not. I mean, I don't think this was much of a question before, but they're not going to pick up Clyde's fifty-year option. And I, I think this is the running back on a rookie deal that they're they're going to end up rolling with. I wonder what it looks like for Clyde's future. But for now, for this year. I think he he ends up being a nice depth piece. If Pacheco were to go down with injury, mm-hmm. Clyde can still still do the job. But I think the Chiefs have finally leaned into what they needed to, which is in a way running back by committee still. But you have your runner, north and south guy in Pacheco, and then you have McKinnon, who ends up being your pass catching back, and he knows his role, um, pass protector, and and they should stick with this un- until injury, in my opinion. And I think you saw exactly why on Sunday. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, I, I think you're right about that. I think that they've found something that works, and that's what they've been searching for all the time is 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 for something that works. Um, I think a lot of people were surprised that they didn't hold McKinnon back uh, for this game, so they could give Ronald Jones an opportunity to get out there and play and see what he could do. That would have been a reasonable thing to try, considering all the trouble that they've had at the running mm-hmm. back position. So I think a lot of people were surprised that Ronald Jones was again inactive for this game because, you know, in other circumstances, the chiefs have erred on the side of being conservative with injured players, but here they are with McKinnon putting him out there after he apparently had some kind of a hamstring injury on either Thursday or Friday that made him questionable for the game. So um, I, I think that they had made up their minds what it was that they liked, and I, they thought it was that it was going to be Pacheco, Edwards, Elaire, and then McKinnon, and it sure worked well in this game. Um, it, it, you know, all of us who have been clamoring for the Chiefs to run the ball just a little bit more, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, got a lot of validation in this game. I think. But you it see really... what it does for the offense. Like, yeah, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey complete broken coverage. Yeah, Travis Kelsey right. just wide open down the field. Not to say that it, it's a right. It, not everything correlates, but I'm sure it doesn't hurt that the that the Jacksonville Jaguars are now thinking, okay. We have to pay attention to this run game, right? And mm-hmm, right. Pacheco gained confidence yesterday, too. On a day when he fumbled, I don't know why this always happens to the Chiefs, but on a day these young kids fumble the football, <laughs> it feels like they play their best game. And I think if you're a Chiefs fan, you hope, hope that Pacheco can can build off of that. All right, John, let's go to your takeaway number two. Yeah, this is more of an explanation because I, I, I think a lot of people were confused by it. Again, a special team play, first quarter punt, um, by the Jaguars that they touched first mm-hmm. down by the goal line, and then Chiefs players went diving after it. And I think there was some confusion about what was going on there. But the the ball ultimately, I think, <laughs> had been recovered uh, by the kicking team. Uh, I, I don't think the officials ever told us exactly who ended up with that ball, but the thing that's interesting about it, I looked it up in the rules this morning. 
Okay. If the kicking team, if a member of the kicking team touches the ball yeah. while his body is in contact with the goal line, it's a touchback. Yeah. It doesn't matter what happens after that. At the moment that that occurs by rule, that's a touchback. So all the wrestling for the ball, uh, at, and, and the reason for that is that, that they don't want the kicking team to touch the ball and then get a touchdown. That's why the rule is set up that way. Um, so, right. so correct me if I'm whole, wrong though, too, John. If you if the kicking team touches the ball first, they can't recover right. it, and so at that point, if the returner goes for it it's not like it's not like the kicking team can touch it and then the returner touches it and then somehow the kicking team like once the kicking team touches it first it's not you can't recover it so i think that's what you saw it's risk-free going for it at that stage right right exactly and it's a live ball until it it touches the goal line essentially right and right, right. Um, so, you know, they were all down there wrestling for it. And I think people saw that as a bad special teams play, but it really wasn't. The players did what they're supposed to do in that circumstance. It's just that the ball went into the end zone. And at that point, because the kicking team had touched it first and touched it while um, they were on the ground and the ball was in the end zone, it's a touchback. That's the end of the story. We're seeing some interesting developments on special teams and, Dave Tobe's been really good for a long time and, and we are seeing some issues, but you know, in, in covering him for as long as I have, I, I feel like they're going to be worked out one way mm -hmm. or another. Uh, I know that, that people are concerned about the kicking game and I think that's fair. And we're going to sort of talk about that a little bit more when we go through the headlines in our next segment. But I think that I, I, I just have confidence in Tobe. I, I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt. I, I have started to see some, get rid of tobe comments and sure oh, yeah on i have too yeah but uh you know i'm not there yet you know I, I think there's a time and place i and look i i can get there i covered this team when it was so clear to me that that bob sutton needed to be let go and they needed to, to go in another direction and and i just don't think we're there quite yet with tobe I, I can understand some of the concern though all right what is my second marinated takeaway i gotta pull back up my list hold on one second here <laughs> i'm all over the place <clears throat> okay this is it I'm very, very impressed. I'm so impressed with every level of the Chiefs defense. And I think it's probably, for me, the reason why I'm feeling that they could go back to the Super Bowl and win it the most. Um, Patrick Mahomes in the offense is always going to be of Super Bowl caliber. I, I think what stops me some, from sometimes, especially when you, you talk about other teams in the AFC, is those teams that can go blow for blow with the chiefs. And I think the defense is really starting to set the tone. I understand the Jaguars scored two touchdowns and Christian Kirk, had, Christian Kirk is living up to, I mean, he, he, yeah. he had become a joke for wide receiver. Like, right. Why are you give Christian Kirk all this money? He's a good player. You can yeah. start to see why the, the Jaguars did it. And he got sneaked twice. And you know, that's going to happen. I think in a game, but you'll take 17 points. I think most weeks and feel like you're, you're going to sure. be in a good position to win the game. But anyway, I want to highlight some people at every level. Colin Saunders up front is, I mean, it is just amazing the the quality of Saunders after essentially we were talking in the offseason on these podcasts, John, about him being player number 53. You know, right. <laughs> we weren't sure yeah. if he was going to make the team. Right. And he is so clearly taking just a significant step forward. And he had talked to us last week about how 
if people are going to run the football, it's going to go through him. So it's such a source of pride. He coined the term run nation, which I don't know, you know, it could be workshopped <laughs> a little bit. I don't know if run nation is, is necessarily where it needs to be, but then he's had a sack or at least a half a sack in three straight games. Uh, and, and, you know, the chiefs for a couple years here, you've, you've been yearning for them to be able to get to the quarterback. So it was nice to see that they were able to do that yesterday, led by Saunders. I want to highlight Nick Bolton at the, the he's just such, such a stud for this defense and to be a leader and have everyone in good position and to really just pick up where Anthony Hitchens left off as far as mm-hmm. that blue yeah. guy in the center. I think everything ticks through Bolton and you see him make big yes. plays all the time. And then the cornerback rookie trio of Trent McDuffie, Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson. I think you're finally starting to see Joshua Williams emerge a little bit here as they're rotating these guys. And for the team, you know, they can say whatever they want, uh, at the podium and, and compliment and blah, 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 do this, do that. But for them to trade Rashad Fenton and say, we're good with these guys. I, mm-hmm. I just think it's such a testament to how well they're playing. And, uh, you know, you have, you have the two safeties and we don't mention their names all that much. It's not like they're making interceptions, but we also don't mention their names all that much, which right. to me is a, a very good thing when it comes to mm-hmm. the defensive secondary. I'm just so impressed with the, the defense and, they did it for these two games, winning the games without Frank Clark. Now you get Frank Clark back. I think Carlos Dunlap is suddenly emerging here as, as a guy who can can get to the quarterback. You've got George Karloftis knocking down two passes a game, and, and suddenly you blink and you have a Super Bowl-caliber defense too. And to me, this was just a game, and like I said, I understand Christian Kirk got him twice, but this is a game where I really felt like, okay, not only is this a Super Bowl-caliber offense, but this is a Super Bowl-caliber defense. Um, spotlights on you, Dave Tope, to to get it to get that other part uh, to to <laughs> up to snuff. But uh, you got to feel really good, especially being in control now with the Bills' loss, about the Chiefs' chances of, of winning the AFC. I, I'm still not sure that it, it wasn't also a, a much better game for the offensive line, namely Trey Smith. Yeah. Trey Smith feels like the guy that makes the running game work. Trey Smith's having a good game. Whoever the running back is is going to have a good game. If he's not, then they're in trouble. And and he had a terrible game against the Titans, maybe the worst that I've seen from Trey Smith last week. And all of a sudden, he Trey Smith is back playing more like himself this week. The rest of the offensive line performed, you know, up to par or, or up to yeah. maybe above their standard. And and all of a sudden, the running game works. So I don't know if it's a chicken or the egg here, but it, it was a. Uh, it was nice to see some balance there for sure. No, it's a good point. And, and the key there is Trey Smith. You're right. He, he definitely had a much better game this game. Um, you know, definitely was paving the way a little more. But I would argue, too, that Pacheco had a much better game and, and this game, you know, reading kind of the blocks and, and actually setting up a couple of those runs early, especially. You saw him actually set up a linebacker to, to kind of, you know, lose leverage and, and, and be able to get by him by using a speed cut, by kind of hesitating in the space at first and then, and breaking out he, he was he was doing a lot better job of of not just running into wherever he was supposed to run into but actually seeing where the linebackers were kind of making them mo- go one way and, and and finding space the other so i would argue that the running backs played a lot better than they have uh, you know in, in in past games too but I, it's hard to argue that the offensive line was, was much better we saw the pass protection really good against tennessee as well as you know against jacksonville too but the run blocking was was you're right. It was much noticeable there. But I, I do think, as you mentioned, you were the one who brought it up. Tennessee's advanced, you know, uh, defensive line much more stout, much harder matchup against the run than Jacksonville's was. To be honest, 
the other thing to note is that the running backs in the passing game is also something that has been there when this offense is at its best. They're thrown to the running backs as well. And this week you saw 10 targets to running backs, eight of those going to Jerick McKinnon, and he had a nice amount of success on those targets. Now two of those went to Clyde, and, and he didn't catch either one of them. But that aside, McKinnon had a pretty nice day. He's already established himself as the the pass protector, the third down guy, partially because of his ability to take a screen pass and get those five to ten yards that the team needs. But, yeah, six catches, 56 yards, 9.3 average for a running back in the in the passing game and leading the team in targets this week. Shout out to Jerick McKinnon. You know, what's impressive, too, to me, or maybe even surprising, I should say, is he's on the injury report this week, right? He's questionable for the game. With, and with wait. Yeah, yeah. With, with a ridiculous array of, of ailments, right? Like, yeah. what, what was, was his list? It of was knee, shoulder, and ankle, I believe. I believe. And, and, and illness or something. Like, it was it was a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff. He had spleen. Like, was, he, was, he was in trouble this week. And all of a sudden, yeah, he comes in there, and not only does he – lead the team in targets, one of the leading receivers. But as Brian Baldinger pointed out on Twitter, this dude's blocking like an offensive lineman at his size is unbelievable. So there's this play where they've got a blitzing defensive back, I think, and he was able to pick him up, pass him off to the to the tackle, and then pick up a, a defensive end. Like that's next level stuff for running back pass protection. That's not just getting in somebody's way. That is recognizing a stunt, picking up both ends of it, doing the handoffs like like an absolute pro. And he's been doing it for a while, and that's why you see him continue to get snaps and, and most of the time get most of the snaps because he is so good on those pass downs because they love him not only, you know, again, for the but for the pass protection. I mean, we talk about these tackles a little too much in this podcast for our liking sometimes. Well, guess who helps them quite a bit is McKinnon shipping really hard and pancaking a looping defense. I mean, yeah, that was just a, a crazy play, honestly. I mean, I, I was very surprised to see that. You know, he's a powerful dude, but that's a big hit. So shout out McKinnon and, and, and just the pass protection in general. Mahomes had plenty of time to operate. And, you know, I do think there is some too, you know, offensive lines and pass protection. I think Mahomes even mentioned this. Offensive lines kind of gelling as the season goes because – training camp rules you know they don't get, they can't get as physical early Mahomes I think mentioned that in his postgame press conference I think you're maybe seeing the offensive line you know slowly but surely even and pass protection too kind of kind of kind of gelling as the season goes so it's cool to see it's good to see also good to see where some other unheralded guys in this game coming in and making a, a difference so there's um Colin Saunders first of all who is who's renamed himself or, or created something called <laughs> Stuff Nation. And he is the CEO of Stuff Nation, uh, being the guy that he's the self-proclaimed, he is the run defense, according to Colin Saunders. But all of a sudden, this guy can actually uh, make some plays in the pass, uh, the passing game as well. So he's outsnapped the starting nose tackle for this team, Derek Nottie. Yes this season only by a few snaps, but he's got nine pressures and three sacks where 90 has one pressure, no sacks this year. We knew this wasn't a position where you're going to get a ton of pass rush, but I didn't expect to see Colin Saunders be this big a part of this off of this defense 
and to be this effective, especially in pass rush. I mean, there was a point where we thought he was going to be cut. So for him to be, you know, kind of the man at this point is is yeah. startling. It really is. No, he he continues to make plays. It's it. You see the Colts game, and you're like, okay, wow, Saunders flashes for a game. That's cool. You know, and then you see another game, you're like, oh, okay. It's been quite a few games now that he's that he's piled up these these games, and and he continues to flash. Those stats are telling right there. You mentioned with Naughty. You know, I, I know Saunders plays more pass downs, right? Naughty's not going to be on a lot of pass downs, but those are, but but they still played similar amount of pass down snaps in general. They have uh, just, and Saunders is usually put in those pass rush positions more favorably, but yeah, he's those, still producing way more. I mean, it's those just, numbers that I just gave were from Chiefs Hive on Twitter. Yeah, those were yeah, pass yeah. play snaps specifically. So right, exactly, pass play snaps only. One twenty-eight for Saunders versus one nineteen for Naughty. Nine pressures, three sacks versus one pressure, no sacks. So that's that is apples to apples, you know, a direct comparison. And yeah, Naughty's never been known for his pass rush ability, but Saunders all of a sudden is more stout against the run and contributing against the pass. I mean, he's he's lined up lining up with the starters now. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, Naughty is technically still the starter, but I Saunders is just a more impactful player, and I, and I'm glad. The Chiefs are recognizing that. It makes you a little sad, right? It makes you a little sad that Tershawn Wharton isn't around to really round out this room and really make it a very fun group of pass rushes. I mean, I know it, 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 they're, they're a pretty fun group right now, but Tershawn Wharton, Saunders, and Chris Jones in the interior is just wreaking havoc. So it, it could have been a really – you know, it's sad to see you know Wharton not there with them. No, that's fair. But this week for them to have five, uh, five sacks, seven tackles for loss – I mean, this front right. is getting after it. And, yeah, some of that's aided by blitzes, but a lot of that came from the front. I mean, Carlos Dunlap is getting in there. Chris Jones is having an all-pro type season once again. And you're getting contributions from across the board. Colin Saunders, um, we mentioned. Carlos Mar- Dunlap. Carlos Dunlap, of course. And Willie Gay got a sack this week. Uh, you know, he's making his presence felt. And then some of the rookies getting in there, too. Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, first of all, just on Dunlap, though, I, I did want to I shout this out. I did note this. Him and Saunders, Dunlap and Saunders are next behind Bolton, Gay, and Sneed on the, the Chiefs' list of PFF stops, which are failures for the offense, uh, you know, on a particular play. So Carlos Dunlap and Colin Saunders are basically making the most plays on the entire defensive side besides Bolton, Gay, and Sneed is basically what that's telling me. And that's pretty telling because the rotational pieces are not actual starters. I, I know Dunlap's had to start the last few weeks, but I mean, this, this defensive line is deep and we've been saying it all year, but it, it's really showing it more and more. And, and that's really what's important about the, this defensive line. And that starts in the, and that ends with not ends with, but it, it begins also with George Karloftis. I mean, he had the batted pass early in this game. He had another batted pass. He, he is now tied. And this is a stat of the week. I'm going to pull from a, a stat of the week, uh, you know, the, the segment. He is now tied for the NFL lead with only one other player for batted down passes. He has five now. And he also has the most, he's tied with Aiden Hutchins for the most rookie pressures. George Karloftis is kind of just racking up stats in a quiet, you know, not stats, I should say, but just impact on a quiet, you know, a little, little uh, pace. What do you think about Karloftis? Yeah. I, I tweeted out that that first batted pass of his was his best play of the season. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I was being a little facetious, but, but that, those are impactful plays. Batted passes are, are legitimate impact plays. He hasn't had the sacks yet, but 
getting some pressure, you know, obviously working his tail off and, and doing exactly what we thought he would do. Right. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, I think he's, he's part of this group that is, that is making a difference on defense. And, and you can see that even with Frank Clark out this week, those guys got after it across the front, across the linebacker group. And, and all of a sudden you've got a defensive front seven that is formidable. So Carlotta is doing his part. Could we, could we hope to see more later on from him? Sure. Love to see him finish some, some sacks, but to see him up there with Aiden Hutchinson in pressures as, as far as rookies go, I, I think that's, uh, you know, you're definitely getting what you expected to get out of out of uh, George Karloftis. I'll say it that way. Right. Well, we got some other unsung heroes from this game on offense. And, and how about Noah Gray, Stags? How about Noah Gray these last couple of games? Honestly, kind of putting together the best stretch of his career. Uh, is, is it fair to say that about Noah Gray, tied in two? Is he tied in two? Is, does he it's take, he take the best? It's 100% take, the best stretch of his career. I don't know if he's, he's approaching tight end two territory. I mean, okay. I think you – when Blake Bell comes back, that's going to be fascinating to see because they love they love them some Blake Bell, but Noah Gray, that catch last week was just epic. I mean that yeah. was a, that was a real clutch thing of beauty uh, for, from Noah Gray, and then he had another nice catch this week, and and uh, uh, all of a sudden you've got a guy who is out there, you know, a couple catches a game. That's what you that's what you hope for from your second tight end. You don't get a ton right. of direction out of that position. But if he can be that threat that, hey, they forget about him and he's he's open downfield, I mean, that the again, that play against the Titans was was gonna be on his that's gonna be on his career highlights, no matter what he does the rest of his career. So I I, I do think he's coming on. This is the best two game stretch I've ever seen from him. And uh, hopefully we'll see some more. Yeah, and and he obviously had the the wheel route touchdown against uh, the Jaguars here this weekend, having that one reception touchdown is about twenty yards out. But that was that was wide open too, right? Yeah, and and it was, took advantage of of Kelsey kind of you know taking the safety with him. Smart play by Mahomes, but another receiver that that only had a touchdown this week, but but had a very big impact in this game with only one touchdown and and only another catch. I think he had three catches total. Marcos Valdez-Scantling, uh, we saw him have that touchdown. It was, it was a pretty open play as well, but how about that catch down the sideline late in the game? That was a pretty insane That was catch. unbelievable. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was essentially a, a one-handed diving back shoulder. Like, Toe-tapping. I can't even describe that. That was unbelievable. He, Yeah, I mean, MVS had three catches for 60 yards, uh, a touchdown, and including that one big 36-yard play. This is the MVS that you pay for, right? It's, it's the guy that comes in. Maybe it's only every other game, but he's going to get you some plays that make a difference in the, in, the, in the outcome of the game. We find ourselves now where the Chargers – I can't put my finger on what's happening with the Chargers. I mean, okay. we, always say, we always say it's just Chargers being Chargers and the Charger in. But for me – there's got to be something fundamentally wrong in that in that organization because that roster, and we've mentioned it before, that roster should be doing a lot better than what it is. Yes, they've got some uh, injuries on wide receiver, haven't they? <laughs> some injuries, I'll get to them. Some injuries. <laughs> yeah. um, but you think somebody like Justin Herbert would be able to kind of overcome something mm. like that. Now, I know 
he's probably carrying a knock, and it's probably because of the, what happened with the Chiefs game where he banged up his ribs really bad, didn't he? Yeah. Probably broke a few, something. So um, he's probably still feeling that a little bit. But what is going wrong with the Chargers in your mind? Injuries. Just injuries. Injuries. Yeah, yeah, injuries. Injuries, absolutely. Like, I, I don't believe in curses. We know this. But I am... Um, I, they always... They, but their their injury list is ridiculous. Like I'm going to run through their injury list of this this year, right? And I'm going to go by positions. Well, this then. is what who at some point has been missing this season or still continues to be missing. Yeah. So wide receiver one, two, and four. Tight end one and two. Left tackle one. Right tackle one. RB two. Defensive tackle one. Defensive tackle three. Defensive tackle four. Edge one. Edge three. Cornerback one. Kicker one. Kicker two. So you think it's the injuries, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what tells you that? What gives that away? <laughs> uh, that injury list is brutal. I think they've done a phenomenal job to be five and four. Like, oh, I do. Yeah. Like, Justin Herbert is out there throwing to practice squad receivers. Like, <laughs> it's, to be honest, like, they're missing Keenan. Keenan Allen's been injured basically all season. Mike Williams has been injured for a few weeks now. But I think his most reliable passing um, pass catcher is Everett. <laughs> he's Everett. Yeah, Josh George Palmer's Everett. had a bit of a. He's, he's had a bit of a. a he's he's done him. all right, but like this is no Josh Palmer. Like who? Like it's just, <laughs> there's just no one there. Austin Eckler obviously is Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler's one of the best running backs in the league. He, by the way, he's the running back that reminds me most of Jamal Charles. By the way, yes, he does in the league. He's he, been crap the last four games though. Yeah. When you look at his numbers, he's been pretty darn crap in the last. But week. it's kind of easy for defenders to go. Oh, let's look at all these list of weapons. Oh, injured, injured, injured. Oh, Austin Eckler. Let's do something about him. Let's like, stick on him, shall we? <laughs> yeah, it must be kind of easy. What doesn't help the Chargers as well is that their offense is unbelievably bland. Like Joe Lombardi is just. Like you said that. He's just honestly, it's so boring. Like Justin Herbert throws one of the best deep balls in football. We've seen it. We all know he does. He's done it against the Chiefs. His, his deep ball is phenomenal. But they don't run anyone deep. Like, it's just everything is gets the sticks, come back. Or, yeah. uh, or check down to Austin Eckler. It's just, it's such a boring offense to watch. And you've got someone like, imagine Mahomes in that type of offense. It's basically like an offense built for Alex Smith type thing that Justin Herbert's having to deal with. And yeah. this is no knock on Alex Smith. Alex Smith, in, in, the, in the mind, unbelievable quarterback. Physical abilities, Completely limited hmm. compared to Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's physical abilities are out of this world compared to Alex Smith. But Justin Herbert's in an Alex Smith type offense, and yeah. he's throwing to worse receivers than Alex Smith had in 2014 when he didn't throw a single touchdown to a receiver the entire year. That's what kind of what Justin Herbert's dealing with at the moment. Yeah. And it's just like I, I just think it's an absolute miracle that this team is five and four. Don't get me wrong. They're not absolutely not in the hunt for the AFC West. They lose on Sunday. The AFC West race is over. The Chiefs will have such a commanding lead. They'll be at 500. The Chiefs will be at eight and two and hold the tiebreaker over them. That The division is over if the Chiefs win on Sunday. Yeah. But the Chargers can absolutely still play themselves into a playoff, uh, playoff spot. They're a team that I wouldn't want to come to Arrowhead if they're completely healthy, by the way, because you no. know divisional games are, are a problem. Divisional playoff games would be even bigger of a problem. And if they're healthy, then we know that they can cause the Chiefs problems. They did a few weeks ago. If it wasn't for the Jalen Watson interception pick six, the Chargers probably win that game. Yeah, and, and they weren't even completely healthy at that point. So they are an issue. They are a good team. They've just been absolutely decimated by injuries and an, and an offensive coordinator just who doesn't know what he's doing. 
it's, 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 it, as a Chargers fan, it must be infuriating to watch because the potential is there and it is there. There's a reason why people t- say this every single year about the Chargers because if it clicks, it would be amazing. But they're but always just, injured. They're always it never injured. This time of the it never clicks for them. It just yeah. there's some there's something about that franchise. They just I don't know what it is. It's just rotten luck. I don't know. I'm not gonna say curses, but it's rotten luck for sure. That they just can't seem to get things right year after year. You mentioned that the Chargers are very vanilla at the minute. I actually put it on the notes. Chargers are just a vanilla team right now with vanilla syrup and essence of vanilla thrown in for good measure. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> they are you know you don't see anything wow yeah. that's popping off the uh off the screen at them and, and and you're quite right there's you know they haven't obviously got the skill positions mm-hmm. um therefore uh just new herbert to play with but um yeah it's it's very disappointing time for them very disappointing <laughs> but it, it, that's that that comes as being a charger fan <laughs> yeah you know what you signed up for <laughs> yeah you oh you wanted to support the Spurs of the NFL? Fine, go for it. Go for it, yeah. <laughs> um, you yeah. chose to be a Chargers fan, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it's unfortunate for some of the players on that team because they have got some like extremely talented players on that mm-hmm. team that are probably overdue some success in their their careers. Like the likes of Joey Bosa, Darwin James, obviously Khalil Mack. He's an outstanding player. He's kind of been around a little bit, but you look at the teams he's been part of. He's been kind of unlucky. He's played for Raiders. The Bears and now the Chargers, like, come on, like, give, what, a wa- what a waste of a talent like that, isn't it? Yeah, and same with Derwin James. Derwin James is obviously he's had his own injury problems, but he's yeah. on a team that just can't seem to do anything. Joey Bosa is looking at his brother playing in Super Bowls, and yeah. essentially his brother playing in another Super Bowl this year, and he's stuck in in LA doing nothing. Yeah, he might yeah. look good in that kit, but outside of that, he's just not. His career is going to ultimately materialize into nothing. Who were doing James is is a bit like the Will Smith meme, meme where he stood in the uh, empty room, isn't it? Where Darren James comes back and he's like, "Right, yeah, I'm yeah. not injured anymore. Where is everyone? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where is everyone now?" So it's a great example. I like that because <laughs> he's like back that. fit, and now, yeah, yeah, it, it's it really unfortunate look for Darren James. I like him. I like him as a player as well. Yeah, I'm looking um, forward to watching him against Kelsey again. Like they always yeah. seem to have good battles. I feel like they kind of bring the best out of each other. Yeah, and uh, there are very few DBs in the NFL that can, like, genuinely have an impact against Kelsey, and it's mm. and it's hard to have an impact against Kelsey for the entire game. We saw last year Kelsey made the 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 player of the game in in the game in LA last year, yeah. um, but uh, overall, I feel like Darren James has had some success against Kelsey, and I do feel like he rubs Kelsey up a little bit the wrong way, he gets a bit physical, gets a bit handsy, and we know that Kelsey hates that type of stuff. Yeah, he, he hates it. He gets annoyed, especially he's okay with it happening if he can get the better of it. But yeah. we see Kelsey get frustrated if he's getting manhandled, getting held at a line, getting pushed around, and he's still not getting his. That's when Kelsey really starts to get frustrated. We saw against the Titans, him throwing his helmet down, kicking his helmet, whatever he done, mm-hmm. because he just wasn't been able to get his. That'd be, in, that's, that'd be an interesting battle to watch. I also think the health of Andrew Wiley is something to watch this week as well, mm-hmm. because. Um, Obviously, Prince Tegawanoho. Did I say that right? Um, yeah. Do, no, I, I think you stumbled through it, mate. You're fine. Crack on. Yeah, I got that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got this fine. Cheers, man. Uh, he's obviously potentially going to start a right tackle this week if Andrew Wiley can't go. So then you've got them, the Chargers uh, defensive line, Khalil Mack, going against um, Andrew Wiley. Um, not Andrew Wiley, Prince Tegawanoho. <laughs> Uh, so that that'd be an interesting watch, but yeah, yeah. I, I, overall, I think it would be a good game because it always is. 
it, it always is a good game mm. between. It's very oh, yeah. rare it's a blowout. It, it, like even Justin Herbert's first start, that was an exciting game. We need Bucker to kick a long field goal, mm. and the atmosphere will be great. We know that. Chiefs fans travel to LA very well. We know it's a prime time game. We know that the Chargers absolutely have to get this game to be in the AFC West race uh, still. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm a bit annoyed it's a 1.30 a.m. game for us. But yeah, overall, I think it's a, it's a good opportunity for the Chiefs to wrap up a division title on what the 20th of November, but seven weeks before the season ends. Like that, that, Those opportunities don't come around very often. And this is a one hell of an opportunity for the Chiefs. It, it, this might affect Mahomes' uh, season numbers <laughs> when we uh, start throwing in like Chad Henney and yeah. and Co. Um, you know, last four games of the season or something like that. So, uh, but I, I'm I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that. You know, um, if 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 that's how it happens and that's how we win a title, I would, nah, the AFC the uh, AFC number one seed's still going to be in. That's the big that's the big uh, prize, isn't it? And that yeah, there's 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 one team now that I'm absolutely petrified of when it comes to the AFC uh, number one seed race, and that's the that's the Baltimore Ravens. I thought you were going to say Dolphins. No, no, no. The Dolphins won't win. Dolphins won't be in the conversation because the AFC East will just beat up on each other. Yeah. They've all got to still play each other. I still, I think the Dolphins have still got four divisional games left. And all of a sudden, the Patriots look capable as well. And the Jets are playing quite well. And obviously, the Buffalo Bills on their day are a great, uh, a great team. The Titans aren't in the race at all because their schedule is an absolute gauntlet. There's no chance in hell that they're going to um, and make a run at the AFC uh, number one seed. But the Ravens, now, I had a look at their schedule yesterday. I was doing headlines and I saw something about scheduling. I saw something about the race of the uh, number one seed. I thought, I'll just have a quick look at the Ravens' schedule. Now, the Ravens are a game behind the Chiefs, mm. okay? They are a game behind the Chiefs, but they're obviously they're not playing each other this year. So there's no head-to-head there's no head-to-head tiebreaker. So it's all going to be based on divisional conference play. But if you look at the Ravens' schedule, they could absolutely run the table and end up 14 and 3. Really? Yeah. So these, this is the Ravens' schedule. Right. Versus the Panthers at the Jaguars. Versus the Broncos at the Steelers at the Browns. Versus the Falcons, versus the Steelers, at the Bengals. That's a cakewalk, mate. Yeah, you talk about Philadelphia having an easy schedule on the way in. Ravens have got it on the way out. They absolutely could run the table. Why you're looking at that and you're thinking, well, we're kind of hoping that the Bengals are still frisky going yeah. into Week 18 because if they're not, the Bengals, the Ravens could absolutely run the table, go 14 and three, and have the number one seed. So the, you, the the Chiefs might lock might lock up the division this weekend, yeah. But they absolutely cannot rest on their laurels. They need to keep going and try and go as many, rack up as many wins as they can. Because I don't know if thirteen and four does it. If you told me at the start of the year, I would have thought thirteen and four might be competitive. Mm. But I don't know if it is. I genuinely can see a scenario where the Ravens get to fourteen wins and the Chiefs are having to sit up, settle for this second seed with thirteen and four. I mean, I, now, I don't know what the tiebreaker is at fourteen and three. Yeah. I don't know who gets it, and that, I can't be bothered to work it out. Obviously, it might depend on who loses to who. But um, the Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs could end up at fourteen and three, but that's kind of like the minimum they need to aim for. They that may drop maybe one more game going in because they yeah. can't afford to drop any more with the Ravens schedule as it is. I suppose the only positive in that is really is the the Chiefs schedule does seem to get a little bit easier as well. Oh yeah, true. So yeah. You know, yeah. But the, the divisional games, well. we know what divisional games are like as well. Yeah. You know, divi- you know, um, yeah, we're going in against the Chargers. We've still got the the Broncos, haven't we, to play? We haven't played the Broncos yet. 
twice. No, twice. Um, and we've got the Raiders to play again. So yeah. you know, there's there's still a lot to play for, and, and the Raiders would love to stop us getting the one seed. You know, yeah. what like we, we, I think we've got them the last game of the season, haven't we? Yeah. So if it does come down to that, and Raiders, you know, they, they'll be even if they they've only got two wins on the season. Yeah. You know, they're they're going to make sure that they scupper the Chiefs' chances as best they can because of clearly of this obviously the the age old rivalry we've got with them. Um, I do. I, I find it funny that the um, both the Ravens and the Chiefs seasons could kind of hinge on them both visiting Cincinnati. They've got to visit Cincinnati. Yeah. We've got to visit Cincinnati. And in my opinion, the Cincinnati road game, providing they get Jamar Chase back, is the toughest game of the year. The he Chiefs comes back left. by then, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah I think so. Yeah, I think that that could be the game that kind of hinges it. If the Chiefs managed to beat beat Cincinnati, and the Ravens lose to Cincinnati. Then I, I can see a scenario where the Chiefs uh, are the number one seed. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, I mean, it's really a testament to how quickly he's learned and picked up the playbook because how often do we hear when receivers come in to Kansas City? It's going to take them time to learn that playbook. You know, they might not get out there very soon. So the fact that in his second game, he's already producing at the level that he is just shows how involved he is in learning the playbook, how excited he is, right, to be here. Every time you see him, he is smiling, right, with that Joker smile. Shout out to the young Joker. He has some good music, by the way, as well. Check out his two uh, mixtapes on Apple Music. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, he's a very uh, charismatic guy. He was a first-round pick last year for a reason, right? Obviously, things didn't work out in, with the Giants, but they had a new coaching staff there, so he wasn't their pick. So they weren't obligated to keep him around, but the Chiefs got a steal, right? You got a guy now that can take a, a five-yard slant and potentially take it to the house. Because, you know, McCall Hartman probably can as well, but the differences between him and McCall is Kadarius Tony's shiftiness, right? It kind of reminds you of Tyreek Hill. And I'm saying he's not saying he's Tyreek Hill, but he has some of those traits. He had that spin move that was just ridiculous. And then obviously that catch on the sideline and we got up to go get it. The Chiefs don't have a receiver that makes plays like that. And the fact that Mahomes even trusted him in that situation already says a lot about what he's seen in practice and what he saw on film prior to him coming to Kansas city, because Mahomes doesn't really throw that many jump ball opportunities like that. Unless it's maybe Travis Kelsey. Yeah. This is the coming out party for Kadarius, Tony five targets, four catches uh, for 57 yards in the score. The longest of those being a 23 yard grab that you touched on. And, and, and we kind of previewed this in our last pod, right? The, we thought the Chiefs were going to dumb down the offense a little bit to get him up to speed. We know from a talent perspective what he can do with the ball in his hand. So now it's just up to the coaches 
and the player getting on the same page and making it happen. And you've got to be a Chiefs fan that's encouraged by what's going to uh, what you've seen from Kadarius Tony, especially in light of not only the injury report here on Wednesday going into the next week, but what we talked about when this deal went first went through, Mark, this is a player that is going to make an impact next year for Kansas City as well when they don't have as many wide receivers on the book. Potentially for him to come in, uh, be that smiling guy, that joker smile, that uh, locker room presence, just seem like he's gotten a, fre- a breath of fresh air. Reporters asking him after the game, yo, look like you're smiling a little bit more than, than they saw you in New York. You know, uh, we, we don't want to ask you. We don't want to get you in trouble, but uh, – you know, are you more involved here than you were in New York? And Kadarius Tony says, you know, I don't want to throw any salt, but, you know, obviously, duh. Uh, and, and that's what we envisioned when the trade come through. I, I didn't think we thought it would happen this fast, um, but for his big day to come against Jacksonville was right on time, especially considering McCole Hardman uh, was not able to suit up. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of touched on it already. We're going to get to it uh, here in a second. But the receiving room is pretty down bad right now. So he's going to get more opportunities even this week, potentially. So, yeah, I think it's a very encouraging sign. I, I think the league messed up by giving Andy Reid and Mahomes another toy to play with, a guy that they can use on those Tyreek Hill type of plays and designs moving forward. So, yes, this offense has – no limitations at all right now. I mean, they're clicking on all cylinders. The run game looked pretty good as well. So, yeah, man, I think that was a very, very encouraging performance all around. I'm pushing back on no limitations at all, and uh, I've said at times that they can be inconsistent, but we'll continue here on Chiefs Coast to Coast. And it is relating to that wide receiver room still. Juju Smith-Schuster takes a big hit in this one, and the quotes afterwards, in addition to just the – the the play itself and, and the reaction just then you see people want to help him off and um, players saying they were pissed off and shaken up and angry and wanted to play for him. Um, just your reaction, I guess, to the juju hit and the, 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 I guess what we've seen since then. Yeah. I think it was ridiculous that they picked up the flag on that one. Yeah. That's uh, another part of it. It was a, a clear, you can see the helmet, the helmet contact there and he was def- defenseless at that moment. So yeah, I can see why they were upset. Obviously uh, good news. To, they hear that after the game, people were saying he looked like the regular Juju and obviously he posted on social media that you grabbed and put on Twitter and may go viral as you always do. So uh, that was uh, a welcome sign as well. Uh, so, yeah, man, we'll see. He's going through the concussion protocol this week. Um, I know it's a five-step process. They said it's day-to-day. I-, I would lean towards he's probably not going to play this week, but um, we'll see. Yeah, and I- I'm rushing to the bird now to try and find the exact phrasing. But his mom basically said that his- her baby was A-OK. Mahomes said post-game that he was kind of his normal self. Um, running around and and kind of joking around. Uh, But the injuries to the wide receiver room are serious. We record this on Wednesdays at 6. We'd love to have you part of the show with us. Um, But if you're listening back on on wherever you get your podcast, this is from Pete Sweeney on Twitter. The Chiefs say that McCole Hardman, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chris LeMond's, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling will not practice on Wednesday as they prep for the Chargers. So what that leaves you, Kadarius Toney, who we know had a big day against the Jaguars, leaves you Sky Moore and Justin Watson. Uh, as your healthy wideouts, I know it's early, um, but this is something to monitor for an office that you say is clicking on all cylinders, Mark, but maybe I'm concerned, you know, these you start moving some pieces around and everything doesn't move as, as smoothly as you once thought. 
Yeah, well, I will say this for this particular matchup this Sunday. I don't think it will be that big of concern considering how bad the Chargers run defense is. They're near the bottom of the league right now. And the Chiefs showed they could run the ball last week. Pacheco had his best game so far as a Chief minus that fumble. So I do think you can run on this team. And if you have at least one of those guys, one of those three guys, and I think it's a good chance that MVS plays out of the three. He's probably the most likely out of Juju and McCole Hartman. So if you have him, Sky, Tony, and Watson, I, I think you could get by. And, and obviously you still have Kelsey, uh, Noah Gray, Fortson. So I think you have enough there to still get by in this match from an offensive standpoint. We're kind of discussing the, the hit that Juju Smith-Schuster took in the Chiefs 27-17 win over the Jags. And – we going back to the, the to training camp when Juju first came in and we were seeing kind of how he was going to be used in the offense. I wonder how long, if it is a one week suspension, you're saying he should probably rest this week. The game after that, another LA team, the Rams at home, how long can the chiefs withstand a Juju Smith Schuster absence? I mean, he seems like a guy that when Kelsey's covered and uh, maybe the man down the field isn't open or the flats not there and still in that short intermediate range, he fills that void. He's become sort of a safety blanket, if you will, or a security blanket, if you will, for uh, Patrick Mahomes. How long can can an offense that you say is clicking on all cylinders, but maybe I'll throw a question mark up there, how long can they survive without, without Juju? Well, you got to look at the schedule. So this week I think it's a favorable matchup considering the lack of run defense. If you commit to the run, it'll open up the passing game a lot more. And then next week you said you got play, you play the Rams, and they're not going to have Cooper Cup. So that offense is going to struggle to score points. So I don't, I don't think you necessarily need him the next two weeks. And then not to mention this, aside from Cooper Cup being out and this week and next week, depending on if everybody stays healthy this, this week, this will be the first time all season except the first half of week one where the Chiefs defense is fully healthy. We have everybody that's supposed to start, start. Because Trent McDuffie got hurt week one. Obviously, yeah. when he comes back, then, of course, Frank Clark gets suspended, and he's back this week. So, And then Willie Gay was suspended. So this will be the first time that they're fully healthy defensively. So that's something to look forward to as well. As uh, It's yin and yang and everything with the Kansas City Chiefs. We got a couple of people rocking with us on Facebook. David calls Kadarius Tony an ankle breaker. He absolutely is a guy that you don't want to try and tackle in the open field. Appreciate you rocking with us on Facebook, David. And then Walter's going to get us into our next topic that I wrote down here. We're still reviewing Chiefs and Jags 27-17 win for the Chiefs. Walter says, such a shame CEH is a bust. Had high hopes for him as an LSU fan when we drafted. And bust, I'll go from bust to benched, it feels like. Clyde Edwards-Alaire registers zero carries in the Chiefs win over the Jags. He had a couple targets and Andy Reid kind of touched on it today when asked about the donut for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Here's what the Chiefs head coach had to say. I love about Clyde. He's Clyde wants to play. <laughs> so I wouldn't expect anything less than that. How he handled it, though, was like a pro, but he wants to play. And I would think less of him if he didn't want to play. So it's the way that rotation goes. It's a crazy, crazy thing because we don't go in thinking that. And, but because of the way the series worked, short series here, and he gets in for three plays and he's out, you know, we don't have that many three and outs as an offense. And uh, he happened to be in one of them. So 
it, it, the numbers got skewed. And it's kind of what happened with Pacheco, you know, before that. So well, we're, we're working through it. And it's not because of his ability. I mean, that's not. It's not because of his ability. I want you to take this one first because this is something we've touched on pretty much every pod for the last five, six weeks. Clyde Edwards Lair registers zero carries in the win over the Jags. What's your reaction to that, Mark? My first reaction is I think it's a little bit of a mixture of both. I think Andy is lying and telling the truth at the same time. Um, because when you say it's not because of his ability, well, I mean, <laughs> there's a reason why Pacheco got that many carries, because I obviously don't think CH is as good as Pacheco, right? I mean, is that clear to me? So there is some uh, questions about ability to a certain extent. Now, where I think he's you know, not lying to say, quote unquote, is that the fact that the possessions did get a little skewed, right? Because he did come in on some possessions that ended up being three and outs and things of that nature. So obviously the drives weren't as long, so he didn't get the many snaps. So I, I do agree with that. But uh, yeah, I mean, Andy, we know Andy, man. He says stuff tongue in cheek and he doesn't give you a lot, but you got to read between the lines a little bit there. And, you know, I look at the production on the field and the fact, especially here's what it told to me. The fact that Pacheco fumbled in the red zone and then the next possession, they still kept going to him, screamed a lot to me, especially for a rookie, a seventh round rookie. If you fumble in the red zone, a situation like that, you're probably not going to play that next possession and get all the carries. And that's exactly what happened. So to me, that screamed a lot on the trust and how much they believe in Pacheco and his ability and the lack of ability in CH to a certain extent. So that's where I push back on the ability part of what Andy Reid said, because if that was the case, CH would, would be out there after the fumble. 69 carries for 293 yards, about four yards a carry and three scores on the ground for CEH this year. I think he has six total if you include the receiving touchdowns. I think, to be honest, Clyde is – or in jeopardy. Remember your preseason predictions on CH? Yes, we, we did the on wax, and we'll revisit that. Uh, we're going to have to revisit that eventually. I, I, I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the most polarizing chief currently on the roster. And, of course, it has to do with his draft stock and where he was taken in that draft, what team he was on and the role on the team he was on in college. Some people call that the best college football team of all time. Uh, but it also has to do with his performance since he's gotten here to Kansas City. I've gone as far as to say he would be a double-digit touchdown guy over a 1,000 rusher this year, and there's still room to get that done. But to me, uh, I'm agreeing with you. Andy is talking out of both sides in his mouth. He's saying, yes, Clyde has shown us the ability to get things done, but maybe not everything we want to get done. Maybe not at the speed we expected him to get there. And, um, you know, maybe they see, and I've said this before on this platform, uh, maybe Pacheco's not the guy right now that they want him to be or exactly where they want him to be right now, but he has the potential to be able to get there faster than Clyde does. I think that this is a this is an outlier. I think he gets I think he gets back on the he gets back in the rotation in a real way. Um, but but this was ugly, man. I, I, I don't want to call it a benching though. All right, we do this every week when the Chiefs have the ball. And listen, fellas, I've been I've been really nervous all week about this moment in the show. And this may be a take that gets away from me. But when the Chiefs get the ball, the only thing on my mind is Kadarius Tony. And 
I think he may be the Chiefs' best wide receiver already. <laughs> and I, I'm not even going to say mean. I, 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 Honest to God, I think, and I'm talking wide receiver, not Travis. I'm talking wide receiver from MVS to Juju to pour one out. With your margarita. That's a, that's a, that is not, that is a zero calorie soda. Um, pour one out from a Cole Hardman who's on IR. Um, any of the receivers out there, the beloved Sky Moore, any of them, I think Kadarius Tony, and I think it took the half. Kadarius Tony is the best wide receiver on this team. He is not a 2023 and beyond uh reasoning for this team he is right now he went up and just did things that others can't do like i think mccall hardman has the speed and explosiveness that he does but i don't think mccall hardman can go and break tackles like he can it can go up and high point and go get the ball that he like he can i think juju can catch anything that's around him, but he certainly does not have the explosiveness that he has. This dude is dynamic and explosive, and he just got here, and you can tell. Like, he just made plays that other guys can't do. And we're going to see more of him with, with, with Hardman out for the next four weeks at least. But I think these jokers just brought in their best wide receiver on the team, what, two weeks ago, and I, I mean – I am very comfortable at saying that, and I can't believe I said I said it after the half. Oh my God, that's their best receiver. And I, I mean, maybe I, maybe that, maybe this is getting away from me. I, Lord knows it has gotten away from me before. All right, but I, I, I just watched Kadarius Tony, and I understand it's just a game, but he's better than any of them. I am asking this in all seriousness, Ron. What have we not seen from Kadarius Tony? Like, I know it's a limited sample, but I'm just saying, I'm talking about traits. Like, if you were just doing the scouting thing where you're just checking off the boxes, right? Can he do that? Check. Can he do that? Check. Hands. Check. Uh, releases. Check. Explosiveness. Check. High Winning point the at ball. the catch point. Check. Yes. Um, creating separation. Check. Ability to create yards after the catch or yards after the run. Check. I, I mean, it, it's remarkable. Like, what he did, and you mentioned it just in the first half against the Jaguars, I think he touched the ball like four times in the first half. And every single time he touched the ball, it was like, that's a new trait that like, we knew he had because of watching him in college at Florida. He's done all of these things. But to do it at the NFL level is a little different. We've seen dudes like Traylon Burks, for example, right? He did a lot of the stuff that Kadarius Toney did at Florida. He's not as fast or as explosive as Tony was, but that was always the question about him. Does this translate to the NFL level? And so far, he's had some injuries and stuff, but the answer is no so far. We've seen other guys for the Chiefs that have had similar skill sets. Uh, D'Anthony Thomas, guys that are kind of that slash type of a player. Most of the time, it doesn't translate. Man, I don't know what this is going to become. I have no idea what Kadarius Tony's future holds. But so far... The answer for him is that the skills clearly translate. He made really high-level NFL-caliber athletes look slow and look silly on the football field last week. You're not supposed to be able to do that, man. So I said, I, I, I will just start out with this, a little bit of a mea culpa. I said I didn't totally understand the trade and that I thought it would be more about 2023 than it was 2022. I was wrong. 
this dude can help you now. And he's already factoring into the offense in a way that Sky Moore hasn't the entire season. And that I think he's just going to continue being a more significant piece to the offense. Here to the end of the year, Ron, who has more production for the Chiefs? Kadarius Tony or Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Oh, uh, Kadarius, come on. Kadarius Tony. Uh, I mean, I... <laughs> Like I, I'm not. I don't want to get a. I don't want to get it, this this thing to get away from me. Maybe it already has. So I might as well just open all the way up. But like whatever, however they, whatever things that they have shelved, that they maybe don't do that they did last year with Tyreek. I'm not saying he is him. But you can do some of the things that you did with Tyreek with him. I mean, you can you can do the you can't do that with MVS. You can't trust Hardman all the time with that. But you can go and 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 do those things. I, he is not Tyreek Hill. I'm not saying that, but he is damn sure the closest thing that you could that you could get to in this offense right now to it. And like we started to see Hardman come on late last year, and I know you guys would love this, but in the role where he has moved into kind of big play type of deal it just this just helps everybody like there is nobody else sort of that i think i look at this and i'm thinking okay if they're going to try to really bracket coverage on on kelsey he's going to get separation and he's going to be explosive to make plays after it like this is and this is and then eventually this is going to help travis because teams aren't going to just like i what i'm waiting to see is does he have the the is he going to start beating people over the top? Is that is that next? Are we about to see that down the field thing? Because I've seen I it at Florida. I don't know why I said Florida like that, but I've seen it there. <laughs> I'm just saying, are we, like, are we about to see? When he went up on the sideline and took the time sort of adjust his gloves first, when he went up and Pat threw it up for him to go get, I said, what in the hell have they stumbled into? I, I mean, it's – it's just so much of this in the NFL sometimes is so dependent upon situation and the circumstance that an individual Absolutely. player finds themselves in. And, you know, I was kind of on BK side when they made the trade, when Chiefs fans were talking about it in the off season, like go get Kadarius Tony, the giants are shopping their second year wide receiver. I was like, no, nah, I'm not really interested in him. Like he's had problems staying on the field. Like, you know, I know Joe Judge was a disaster, but the new coaching staff isn't saying nice things about him. And like Brian Dable is having a really good season, is the head coach of the New York Giants. Their offense isn't particularly great, but they don't make a lot of mistakes. Their defense has a lot of young playmakers and they've won a lot more games already than you expected them to to win. And somehow they did not want Kadarius Tony to be involved in that. And so me as being like a rational person, I look at that saying like, I feel like that's a red flag. And then you come in and you bank on the chief soccer room culture and you bank on their mentality to win and saying Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes will make you a, a name in the NFL. And it's immediately transformed my opinion about him as a player because it's a small sample size. I get it. But you're seeing every week, like, I agree with you, hands down, he's the best wide receiver on the team. He's got the highest ceiling of any wide receiver on the team, and it's not really close. I still believe in Sky Moore. I'd still like to see Sky Moore get more opportunities down the stretch here. But 
they traded for Kadarius Tony, and right now Brett Veach is looking like a genius because of the glimpses that we've seen of him. It looks like he is going to be a legitimate problem for secondaries down the stretch, and he could be the thing that this offense needed to go even higher than they've already been this season. Ron, can yeah. you remember a time where you were this convinced on a player this quickly? Because it's been basically one full game for Kadarius Tony in terms of his snap count. We've seen one game, essentially, with him, and I think we're all in agreement. Like, this dude is is legit, and he's going to be a significant factor for the Chiefs. It's rare that that happens, man. When somebody is that quickly ingratiated into the offense, I mean, it's this is wild what we're watching with Tony. Yeah, you, you, well, you knew he was super talented. Like, you, you had a bunch of low – you had a bunch of low spades at wide receiver anyway. Like I mean, you had you had a bunch of nines, tens, and then fives. Like you didn't have like you didn't have you know any queens, any kings, or anything like that. So you know it wasn't going to, it, huh? <laughs> I was kidding. I said you yeah, know but, I don't play spades. I know, but I think you know the spades. <laughs> uh, but it was like you had a lot. You, it wasn't going to take a ton to jump over that. So I, I that part of it. But it is, it is, yeah, the quickness of it, the quickness of it, where you could clearly see it. Um, and I, I, as we're as we're all bringing out our original assessments, I, I think I feel decent about mine. And my deal was, man, I don't know, but I guess Andy Reid gets the benefit of the doubt. And if Andy sees something, I'm gonna just kind of go with that. That was that was what I said when when the deal was made, and he sees something. And if we could just sit here and be honest, hell, he was on the first drive in his first game. And now he he looked like they put in stuff. I mean, the jet sweep, he ran for 32 yards. Like, there's a difference. Like, when McColl gets hit, he's going down. It's he, he's, he's shiftier and he doesn't just go down. He's more powerfully built. I Like, that's the next step. If, he, if, if they hit a go route, I mean, it's like now we're now we're blatantly into. I mean, like it's kind of Waddle-esque. It, it's yes, almost like Jalen Waddle. Like it's it's yeah. not Tyreek Hill. Nobody is Tyreek Hill, yeah, but it's it's kind of Jalen Waddle-esque. More to dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.